Copying good. There's a word from the Lord today, and we are going to be jumping into 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. Huh? 5 to 10. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. All right? If you are there, say amen. If you need more time, say hola. Come on, y'all better know where your Bibles are. Go past the Gospels. 1 John. So, 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. Okay? I'm reading from the ESV version, the English Standard Version. But whatever version you have is also fine. So long as it's not some crazy version. Even if you got the Caribbean version, that's dope too. I'll tell you, I started getting into some Caribbean praise music. That, that it's on the whole. Someday we gotta play some Caribbean praise music. Anyway, first John chapter one, verse five to six ten. The theme, yes, the topic here is walking in the light. Walking in the light. Walking in the light of the no? Oh. <laughs> Alright, everybody there? If you're with me, say amen. If you need more time, say hold up. Alright, can we all there's still some more hold ups? Yeah, there. Okay. Can we all stand for the reading of God's word, please? There's only five verses. You guys know when you're with me, I'm always gonna make you stand. We're gonna read these together just in reverence for the word of God here. Alrighty, so. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. The word of the Lord says... Everybody there? Okay. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin, us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his words is not in us. Beloved, look over to your neighbor and say, Neighbor. Oh neighbor, oh neighbor, are you walking with God? Are you walking with God? Hmm, you're gonna find out. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, like you guys rightfully said, right? Um, the purpose of what you guys went through last week, and kind of how I just summed it up as I was going through. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to join the team when they were putting all this together, but. Your teachers have carefully and masterfully crafted these topics together. Uncle Albert covered this one, and I think he did such a wonderful job. Because last time, when Kojo was teaching you guys, he taught you guys, you know, the purpose of being salt is to advertise God, right? The purpose of your good is to point to God. To be salt, you know, means we have to be active in it. You know, how do how we deal and interact with others? So how we show, so I kind of summed it up pretty much to say, how we show ourselves publicly in our public life, in our, in, in our engagements with one another, in our dealings with one another. But today, we flip the script a little bit and go the opposite direction. And we're really here to discuss how we show ourselves and behave in our private life. The things that nobody sees when we are by ourselves. 
one of the main points and the biggest points I want you guys to take away, if you don't take anything else from today, is that the most important part of your life is the part that nobody sees. The most important part of your life is the part that nobody sees. For that part is the part that only God sees. A couple sub points, a couple bullets in my pool of people. I'm always a bullet point person, so we stay on track. God is light from what we just read through. Right? He does not, what does that mean? It means that he does not sin, nor has he ever sinned, nor does he cause anyone to sin. So nobody should ever come and say, oh, this, this thing is just, it's just me. It's just how God made me. I'm just born to be sinning in this way. Right? If we go in that direction, we're going in the direction of excuses. So walking in the light, what does that really mean? Right? And I think John is the type of guy, John wrote the book, First John, hence the name, right? And he's the type of guy that keeps it very plain with you. And I love the book of First John. I think if we had some time, we just kind of touched even on verses one to five. If you ever get a time, just sit and read and memorize it. It's just such a beautiful, poetic way that John puts things together. It's, it's, it's wonderful to just show the, 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 the gravity and just how amazing God is. But sometimes I wonder, because verse 6 says, If we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Walking is, is, that, walking is, is active, right? means we're actively, knowingly doing so. Unless somebody's sleepwalking, nobody on this earth has ever walked without realizing that they're walking. Right? Is that fair to say? So this is things that we are purposefully and intentionally doing, purposefully and intentionally walking in darkness. So I have to ask ourselves, why do we walk in darkness? Maybe I'll poll you guys for a minute or two if anybody's got a few thoughts. Why do we gladly walk in darkness the floor is open yes sir because of the comfort of not seeing what's in the darkness because if you're in the dark you'd rather be in the dark with let's say odd monsters because you can't see them when the light is there and you can see them you become more afraid so the comfort in the darkness that is interesting so there's comfort in darkness okay 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 yes sir <coughs> Because it's a trend. Everybody else is doing it, right? Yeah. Everybody else sitting, we may as well be sitting too. Why not? All right, Isaac, how about you? Um, we can't just let go of our earthly desires. We can't just let go of our earthly desires. Okay, okay, okay. Yes, dear? I think it's because we're afraid of the truth. And so some people choose to walk in darkness. And they go off of what he's over there. You know, like... You're comfortable with the devil you know, so, you know, mm. ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> You say we are afraid of the truth, we are comfortable with the devil we know. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. We just want to be free of the darkness so we can be with the light through Christ. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. We're definitely going to get there too. Amen? All right. Yes, dear. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it's so easy to be consumed by the world and the world is just full of darkness and some people just don't realize that it's 
darkness around them, so it's like easy for them to, you know, do stuff in the world. Mm-hmm. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. Thank you. That's there. Mm-hmm. I feel like when we do stuff in the darkness, like in sin, it's kind of similar to how a thief is going to steal in the dark because nobody sees what you're doing in the dark. So I feel like when we go into the light, that's when we actually have to tell God what we did. And that's where we kind of get like the shame of facing the consequences of being in the darkness. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Remind me to come back to the shame piece, all right? All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine is kind of like what Brianna said. I think we live in the dark because it's easier to just live with that and accept our own truth rather than what's in the light because it shows us like that what we're doing is really wrong but we'd rather accept the thing that we think which is in the dark mm. that that is very true the concept of postmodernism is killing us ain't it esther how about you mm-hmm. um matthew 6 verse 22 to 23 it says the eye is the lamp of the box the eyes the lamp of the body so if your eyes healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes bad your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light is in you hey if the light if the light in you is darkness how great is the darkness hey anybody else anybody else yes okay i'm coming i'm coming and then one more after you and then we'll continue it's probably similar, but I feel like we're just trying to fit into the world and because like everybody's doing this, we're following social media and all that stuff. And everything on social media is not good, which is part of the darkness. So like we're trying to fit in basically. That is very true. We're trying to fit in. We are trying to fit in. Anybody else? One last person. That's it. All right. Mom, I feel like you don't have to think about your actions as much when you're in the darkness. You can be mean when you want to be mean, and you can be kind when you want to be kind. So I feel like people want that, like, liberation or being able to do whatever they want. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. You guys have all given some very, very great answers. I'm learning a lot. So God, God bless you all for that. Thank you. So couple points that I had noted down that perhaps might help you as well is that point number two is that we walk in darkness because we do not fully understand the full weight and the gravity of what it means to have fellowship with God. We walk in darkness because we do not fully understand what it means to have fellowship with God. We do not, essentially, we do not treasure our fellowship with God, said in other, in, in, in other ways. So the, the full weight of fellowship. So let's break it down, right? The full weight of fellowship. What, what does it mean to have fellowship with God? And this particular God, who, who is he? In order to understand just the weight that this is associated with. Do we ever really sit back and think just how much of, just how amazing it is to be able to commune with God? I think we kind of sometimes lose the, the, the magic, right? The mystery around it because we grew up in church for the most of us here, right? And we just know you just go to church just to go to church. 
and God is God. He's, he's been there. He's, but then we don't really sit back and think of how amazing that is. And that's why some time ago we started the, the psalm readings. Because within the psalm readings, the psalm is constantly is reminding us of just who God is. He created the universe, the birds in the sky, the fishes in the sea. He knows every little hair on your head. All the ones that are leaving mine, he knows. I know, right? <laughs> I want God. Come on. You know I had to say something. He knows all of it, right? He has the whole world in his hands. And in his hand, he's got the whole world. In his hand, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. Right? Now that song is like, is we say it's for kids. But it's not for kids. It's for everybody. Right? And that's so important to recognize that because when we don't, when we don't have awe for God anymore, we are quick to go and do some crazy things. So we need to recognize that whenever we are in a time of like prayer, we're free in your personal life, in your personal prayer life. Like, yes, it's wonderful to ask God for things. As you should, as you rightfully should. He said, ask and you shall receive, right? You're not receiving because you're not asking. So go ahead and ask. But spend a lot of intentional time, not even in just thanksgiving, but just in praise and just adoration, right? That adoration part is so important. What does that mean? Just like recounting the things and the mighty deeds of the Lord. He parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through it. They didn't run. They were walking. Why were they walking? They were in awe and shock and they were at peace. Meanwhile, a whole enemy is coming behind you, but you are walking. To be able to have fellowship because they recognize who their God is. So when you, when you have that type of relationship with God, you come to realize that whatever you're going through, whatever the situation may be, God's got you. Right? So it's important to remember all the deeds of the Lord and what He has done and just how good He is. The weight of that is so important. If we take it all the way back to the beginning, God brings Adam and Eve, right? And there were a couple of trees in the Garden of Eden, right? There's the one that they weren't supposed to eat from, which they decided they're going to eat from it anyway. Listening to a whole seven or legs, come on. I mean, I'm scared of people. But anyway, they decided to listen to them anyway. But there was another tree. And in that tree, they said that if they eat this tree, they will be like us. And they will live forever. And so instead, they get kicked out of the tree, of the Garden of Eden. But that same tree shows up later on, the tree of life. <coughs> and God being so good, it was his mercy that kicked those folks out of the garden. Because in their state of sin, had they eaten from that tree, they would be in a perpetual state of what? Of sin and damnation. Like just the little things that God does. And we see what he did for Ruth, right? And we see what he does for David. We see what he does for Isaac. We see what he does for all of the people in this world. You see what he does? Bring it on a personal what he does for you. How he has kept you. It's 2024, and we are still here. 
God being good and only by His grace and His grace alone. Amen. So now we get an understanding of who He is. He didn't just create us here in the world. He created the universe, the galaxies, every star. He knows each and every single one of them. That is the God who's, who says, come and talk to me. Take advantage of that in your private life. Take advantage of that and recognize that. So now we get the point of, okay, now we understand who God is, right? Not fully, because I don't think we'll fully ever comprehend him. But then we get to a point where we at least can say, now we can assess, what does it mean to have fellowship with God? Let me take a step back and just ask the question, what does, it, what does fellowship mean? What is fellowship? Just one or two people, if you'd like to give it a stab. And I'll emphasize on the part that I'm going to go towards quite a bit. Fellowship. 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 Yes, dear. Hmm? Hold on, I don't think they heard you. Mm -hmm. We said back here that fellowship would mean like communing with like-minded people. The fellowship meaning to commune with like-minded people. Okay, okay, okay. Anybody else before I get back up to the front? Okay. Fellowship meaning to commune with like-minded people. I like that, I like that, I like that. The reason why we watched the video in the beginning is because, well, have you guys never seen the movie? Have you guys all seen the movie before, Home Alone? Okay, so you know they're going on a vacation, they leave Kevin at home, and they're just like, they don't realize that Kevin's gone until, what? They turn back around and, you know, Kevin, Kevin's gone. We watch that because fellowship literally means having that, having that relation, let me not use the word itself, having that um, knowing, knowingly walking with somebody. Right? These folks here, they think they're walking, they think they have fellowship with Kevin. Only to realize later on that Kevin isn't even there. So we must sit and kind of assess that ourselves. In that, in that moment, are we going somewhere thinking that God is with us and we're walking with God only to realize later that he's not? It's very scary. And I hope you realize that now while you're in the land of the living. And not have a shock, as God says many people will do, from Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23, saying, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's recognize to have fellowship with God and actually commune with Him. It's not, what's the term? People don't like to use the word religious or like, Blanking on the word, 
but it's almost sort of like, oh, if you have to do it, you set aside time, then it's then it isn't going with the flow. It's not a relationship. It's people, yeah, that obligation type of thing. Obligation is not a bad word, right? Christ died for us not because he felt like dying for us. He died for it because it was duty. And he realized it was an obligation that he had to fulfill the promises of God the Father, right? So too we have an obligation in this fellowship, in this contract that we have with the Lord, right? To spend time with him. Find a place that works for you. Spend time with God. What are you doing in your private life? It's important. What I've recently started doing, I like to go on walks now. I know, right? It's like 30, 20 degrees outside. But I do that now. I started doing prayer walks. Because I don't have any other time. I look at my schedule, I'm like, it's, it's, it's crazy. So I like to add that part to it. And just a walk with God. Try it. It'll help. So, one thing about the ship as well is that in, the t- in this text, it doesn't say that we have fellowships. It says we have fellowship. That implies that the ship is singular. There are not plural ships. You can't go and jump on ship number one and on day number two, go to ship number two, th- two Day number three, go to ship number three, and then however you feel. There was only one ship. And sometimes we decide to leave the ship. We gladly walk in darkness sometimes because we believe in the saying, God knows my heart. How many of you guys ever said that before? Oh, you know, God knows my heart. Now, I'm here to tell you, yes, God knows your heart. And your heart is incredibly sick and deceitful. And it's not my words. I'll take you to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 and to 10, where it says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So what I'm trying to say here is that we can't just use the term God knows my heart and continue to knowingly and willingly sin and knowingly and willingly do wrong. Yes, God knows your heart and he will judge you for what is in your heart. Another reason why we like to walk in darkness in our private lives. All this private life matter, guys. Last week we talked about how in our dealings with others, when we are just by ourselves and how we think, how we walk, how we move, is that we have bought into this idea of cheap grace. Several years ago, this theologian, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. Really great book. I still need to finish reading it. It's very dense. I like it a lot, though. You'll see a lot in the beginning. And ideally, he brings up this idea of cheap grace. And that's the, the idea is that people, have, people think that following God does not come at a cost. 
cheap grace is the idea that forgiveness does not require what? Repentance. We do not realize that salvation and sanctification are a packaged deal. That is why I always say, whoever wants to give your life to Christ, count the cost. Because that cost is a pruning process. You're going to go through some things. Life is going to happen to you. Things are going to hit you. There are things that you have personally dealt with or have felt or have been brought up your entire life that you're now going to have to reassess and just, and just ask, Am I, is this thing that I'm doing, is it biblical, is it godly? That's all a part of the sanctification process. Every week, people go for an altar call. Now, what blows my mind, guys, is that when I see the same people every week going for an altar call, that is problematic. Why? Because it's showing that your life has not changed. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you must understand that there's also another term called sanctification. And sanctification is a lifelong process. We are saved by grace, right? But that sanctification is our daily walking, daily getting up, waking up in the morning, picking up your cross, wanting to sin, but asking and seeking God, wanting to sin, but wanting God more. Do you want God more than your sin? Do you want God more than your pleasures? Do you want God more than your desires? That is the question we must fight and wrestle with each and every single day. Somebody crosses you off, you probably won't tell that person off and say something, right? Right? I know, I'm with you. But we gotta want God more. Because <laughs> we gotta want, what would God want in that moment? That we show love and grace to the person, right? And we sit back and say, nah, man, I don't want to look like a punk. I don't want to look like, like anybody can just walk all over me. But think of the ultimate goal at the end of the day. To bring people to Christ. To allow God to work that in your heart. And work on your salvation. With fear and trembling. Anybody know where that verse is from? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You'll find it somewhere. When you find a bonus points for you. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Ephesians 6 5. It does sound it does sound like something Paul would say. Yeah. I'm sure it's there. Ephesians 6 5. So work out your salvation, guys, with fear and trembling on a daily basis. I know it's not easy. Especially with all the things that are around you, like all the things that you guys have mentioned, all the influences from social media wanting to do a certain thing, like all the things that you're feeling that quite honestly, God's like, hey, hold on. You know what I mean, right? Another thing too is that we, though we are saved, we are still enslaved to some deeply toxic mindsets and addictions. We are enslaved to some deeply toxic mindsets and addictions. There's a passage that talks about renewing the mind. 
And I think sometimes we overlook that piece. And we don't recognize just how important that is. That God renews our mind. And addresses the, all, the, all the things that we've grown up with that are just messed up. I know people have been through some things. Sometimes some people go through like abusive relationships and they come to realize and, and think that the way that they were treated, that's just how everybody should treat them. That it's okay for them to be hit or it's okay for them to be emotionally abused day in, day out. And they come to the Lord and they still think that that is okay. And so somebody comes to them and they're like, no, this is, isn't good. So it's really just reassessing like, what is God's good for me? So you don't miss out on the blessings that he wants to give to you. This stuff goes deep, guys. And addictions as well. This is like so heartbreaking because there are so many addictions that people deal with in this, this just room alone that perhaps began before you even seriously came to consider Christ. And you're trying and fighting and trying to fight and you break them through. Give it to God. We'll talk about how to deal with it in a moment of where we go from there. We'll come back on that point soon. So, why does our private life matter? Moving forward. Why does our private life matter? Our private life matters because, and I think even the secular world has realized this too, our private life matters because our vertical relationship with God determines our horizontal relationships with the people around us. Being a good child, a good sibling, a good student, wife, husband, employee, employer, neighbor, all of that hinges on the fellowship or lack of fellowship that we have with God. Well, we're not in right standing. We're not in right communion and community with God. It is darn near impossible to show the love, the care that we, that we need to. Yes, sir. Yes, our, our private life matters because our vertical relationship with God determines our horizontal relationships with the people around us. Right? It determines the level of quality right, of our horizontal relationships with the people around us. Because if you're not right with the Lord, how can you possibly be right with other people? If you don't understand what true love is from the Lord, how can you possibly show true love to others? So Pojo hit on the matter very well about advertising and being a salt and light. But I'm telling you, the reason why many of you are not able to be salt and light is because in your private life, you're struggling with the Lord. So you got to work on your private life first. Being a soldier for the Lord, right? Means a lot that you've that you dealt with the issues and the, and, and the matters. We don't just put anybody in the battlefront lines, right? We don't put people who are having mental challenges, right, in the, in the front lines. We don't. Why is that? Because they're not gonna be efficient. 
You guys agree with me? So the same way we are in a fight, a much more important fight, a spiritual battle that, 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 that we face. And if our mindset is not right, if we're not clear with the Lord, how can we be going and praying, casting out demons, casting out this and that? Well, you yourself, you're struggling with the Lord. Let me not even go to that, those aspects. Like, how can we be going and sharing love to people? As reassessing somebody that, that, that cusses us out or, or cuts us off. We can't do that well. So that time with God is key. In your future, anybody that ever comes across your life that you want to consider this person in your life as a friend or whatever it may be, you need to assess what is your private life with God? What are you doing when nobody sees you? Because then that moment is the real you that I will never, unfortunately, get the chance to see, but I know the God who does see. Does that make sense? Y'all tracking with me? So, somebody said in his song that you want to fight a full-time devil but be a part-time Christian. Right? You can't fight full-time devil and be part-time Christian. You know who that was, right? Kofi Kanata, right? Yes, that one. You can't be doing that. So you got to be careful. You want to be a full-time Christian? That means you got to spend a full time with God. Each and every single day. And the last part that I'll leave you guys with is the why we're not doing this. Why we're gladly walking in darkness. It's because we have not understood for some reason that worship is not just something that we do, but worship is who we are. You do not just worship, you are a worshiper. And that is very, very important to distinguish. That means that the time of worship isn't just the time that we've carved out, the 20 minutes that we've carved out here, but that worship, being a worshiper, is also how you treat and you go about your life, in your daily life, with people and by yourself. Worship is not just what you do. Worship is who you are. So where do we go from here? We have seen the problem. I think we all understand the problems now as to our own personal lives and why we gladly walk in darkness. Any questions on that part so far? So where do we go from here? God being so good, he always includes, I think we didn't see it in here, Oh, we did. We did. He did. He did. He did. He did. In the verse seven, I love the the but clauses, right? In some in Romans, Paul does it all. He says, "But God, etc." In the verse seven, we said, "But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin." <coughs> I need you to understand how massive this is. The blood of Jesus covers all sin. Walking in the light requires you to act, right? Like actually truly repent. Repent means to make a three, a 180, not a 360, 
360 just means you come back to the same spot, right? Don't be doing 360. Do 180, please. 180 for the Lord. And know that the blood of Jesus covers all of that. Know that we can come to the throne of grace, of mercy. And a lot of times we don't go back. After we jump to ship number two, we left God on ship number one. We go to ship number two. Our ship number one is still flowing. It's still going. We want to go back, but there's this whole guilt and shame that we're feeling. Because we, we think like we've really messed up and we've let God down. And he would never want to take us back. But we got to understand and really believe what John shares about our, uh, what John shares about God here. He says, if we confess our sins, he, being God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So recognize that when you have a heart posture that is repentant, when you have a heart posture that is truly wants to change, that truly wants to follow God and truly wants to live for God, have boldness and confidence to get back on the ship. The one and only ship that will continue for the rest of your life and through, that will continue for eternity. There's only one ship that is gonna keep on moving. All the other ships with your friends, with your families, all that is gonna pass. There's only one ship that will continue moving. And that is that fellowship with God. And thankfully God has always said, hey, my hands are open, I'm waiting for you, come on in. I forgive you. Don't mean you keep on abusing God's grace. But God loves you. So feel open and feel free to go to Him. I can't, I don't have too much time, but I can't like, maybe someday I'll share my whole story. I can't tell you enough times, many times that I went to God crying and just begging God for forgiveness. And time and time again, God being so good forgave me. Sanctification is a process. It's not easy. But God guides us each and every single step of the way. If you don't get it the first time, get up and try again. The biggest thing is to never give up in this process of sanctification. Because there's nothing that will come upon you that with God, you cannot get through. So have, have discipline within your private life. If you say you're going to do something, do it. If you say you're going to read at this time, do it. If you say you're going to pray at this time, do it. Because those little things will help you when times of temptation come, when times of trial comes. Do those things. Because then there, you will have God's word in your heart. A lot of reasons why we can't even fight these temptations is because we don't even have the word of God in our heart. When Jesus was tempted by the devil and all these things, what did he give back to them, to the devil? He gave the word. The devil is like, you know, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make you, I'll give you all these things, right? And Jesus responds with exactly things from the word. 
So let's have the word in our heart so that we can have a consistent, godly, inward life. Somebody else's salvation potentially depends on it. Perhaps God wants to use you to save that person. But if you yourself are struggling, if you yourself cannot pick up the weapons, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is your Bible, and read and be active in your own personal life, how can you ever think you can be effective in God's kingdom? There are demonic forces and so many things going on in this world that are beyond our comprehension. And you will not survive them if you do not have a dedicated prayer life, a dedicated, consistent life to truly seeking and walking with God. You will not survive them. Be strong in the Lord and be strong in the Lord in your, in, in your, in your, in your personal life. I don't care how much somebody, how loud somebody is here when we meet or praying and all those things. I don't care. What I care is what are you doing in secret? What are you doing in your personal life? How are you living it? How are you fighting the temptation when it comes? Or are you just giving in? How are you doing it? Trust and know that God has got you through each and every single step, through each and every single concern. Amen? Any questions before we close? Did y'all learn something today? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this is time together. Thank you so much for just allowing me to share with your people here, oh God. Um, just your words. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you allow us to be able to walk in the light. I pray for each and every single person here, Lord God, that is struggling to do so. Whatever areas that they have difficulty letting go of, whether it be anger, page lack of patience, whatever it may be, Lord God, release it from them in Jesus' name. And just help them to be able to be in a position where they're walking with you step by step. God, we need you. We love you. We thank you so much that you have been with us here today. You have heard all of our prayers. I pray for each and every single person here, dear God, that you make them mighty and strong for the work that you have set before them and that the purposes that you have planned for each and every single one of their lives, oh God, that when they look back 50, 60, 70 years from now, they will say that, that they walked with you. May they be like Enoch, oh God, and walk with you. If it's only one sentence in their life, let it be that, oh God, that they walked with you. We thank you, dear God, for your blessings and your joy and your kindness that you share upon us each and every single day. It's in Jesus' mighty name we do pray. May the saints say amen. Amen.